myself. For those of you who have yet to connect with, my name is Ryan. I have the blessing of serving this incredible church family as the lead pastor. And if this is your first time joining us, I just want to say how excited we are that you are here with us. And what a better, no better way to start off the beginning of the year than by doing so, worshiping God with us. And hey, for those kiddos that are here, just because we're handing out activity bags to you this morning, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be an important word for you here in this message. I believe that whether you're 5 or 85 here, there is a word that God wants you to hear in this morning's message. And so the title of it is right here behind me on the screen. The title of this message is First Things First. That makes sense, right? After all, it's the very first of the year. So no better time than now than to talk about what should come first in our lives. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But I want to start off actually by having you look back on 2022. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and I don't want you to raise your hands. This is just sort of some internal introspective, but I want you to ask you this question. How many of you, when you look back at 2022, are glad that it's over? (laughs) You can be honest with yourself. How many of you, when you look back at 2022, you'd rather not see another year like you had last year? Again, answer that to yourself. Just be honest with yourself. And how many of you might be saying, you know what, actually, Pastor Ryan, 2022 might have been one of my best years yet. Like you would actually run that same one back if you could. Now, it's interesting that we're all here, all living pretty much in the same area, all belonging to the same church, all reading the same Bible, all believing in the same God. And yet, our experiences are all over the map. So how can we share the same foundations and yet have such radically different experiences? I know what you're thinking, but the answer is not our circumstances. It's probably the first thing that came to your mind, right? Like, Pastor Ryan, you don't know what happened to me this past year. But it can't be our circumstances because there are some of you who had everything go wrong this last year. And yet you find yourself at the start of this new year filled with joy, filled with peace. Others of you had everything go right this past year, and yet you might still find yourself feeling a little empty, experiencing some regret. And so if it's not our circumstances, then how else could we have the same foundation and yet have completely different, radically different experiences? I believe the biggest difference lies in the order in which we live our lives. The biggest difference lies in the way that we prioritize the things that we put first. I believe the order in which we choose to do things has a much bigger impact on us than the things that happen to us. Let me say that again so it sinks in. I believe the order in which we do things has a much bigger impact on us than the things that happen to us. Order matters. Order sets the tone for our lives. It shifts and shapes our perspective. And it's ultimately what has the biggest impact on our experience in living the Christian life. Order matters. And to prove that to you, I want to show you an illustration this morning. Some of you may have seen this already, but what I have here are a couple of jars. I'm actually going to ask my beautiful wife, Lindsay, to bring up some more of the materials. Would you all put your hands together for my wife, Lindsay? First lady. <laughs> First lady, yes. So we've got quite a few materials here, and I'm going to share with you what these mean here in just a moment. But what I have here, thank you, Lindsay, uh, are empty jars. And this empty jar represents the amount of time each of us is given in a day. It's the same amount of time for each of us, right? No one gets more, no one gets less. Each of us has 24 hours in a day. And each of us has some things that we want or need to do. 
Those are our priorities. That's what's represented by these other materials here. And so we have our, our big rocks. Right? These are the things that are of eternal significance. I'm talking about things like your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, your involvement in church, those things that carry an eternal significance. And then we've got these pebbles here. These are those things that are the expectations that are put on you. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's school. They're important things, but they're not as important as the big rocks. Okay, and then we've got the sand. These are those insignificant things in life, that, things that ultimately mean very little, yet they always feel so urgent. And so our focus with each day is to try to fit all of these priorities into that 24 hours. So let me show you why order matters. Let's say you start your day off by spending the first 30 minutes or so on your phone, right? You're checking email. You're maybe creating a list of all the errands that you need to run in that day. Fills up quite a bit of your day. Then you go to work. You go to school. You fill up even more of your day. Well, what happens is, at the end, there's not enough room for all those rocks to fit. You guys see that? Now, what happens if we reverse this order? Let's say you start off your day by spending time pursuing God. Spending time in prayer and in the word. Maybe you spend time discipling your kids, talking to them before they go to school, or spend time with your spouse. Well, then you can go off to work. You can go to school. You can do all those things. And you're left with plenty of margin, plenty of room to run those errands, to do those things that you need to do. See, this is why order ultimately matters in our lives. Because if you don't get the big rocks in first, and I can guarantee the sands of the urgent, they're going to fill up most of your time. The expectations of others are going to take whatever room is left, and you're left with big rocks that have nowhere to go. You're left with the important things in your life being left out. But if you start with what's most valuable, if you start with the big rocks, man, you're going to find that will determine the rest of your priorities. So here's my challenge for you this morning. Here's the question that I want to ask you to consider. Could it be that the biggest change that you make this year is to change the order in which you do things? Could it be that putting God first in your life could be the key to unlocking everything that God has in store for you in 2023? I firmly believe it will. Not just because I've seen it in my own life, but because I believe the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. He's saying that in the context of not worrying about all these other things in your life. Don't worry about the sand. Don't worry about the pebbles. Get the big rocks in there first, and all these other things will be added to you. Order matters, family. And it's clear to us that God must be first. So before we dive into the word, before we learn how to apply this to our lives, let's, let's do that. Let's put that to practice by seeking God in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow before you this morning. Lord, just simply humbled to be in your presence. And what a gift it is to have this time, the first of the year, to fix our focus on you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just move in our midst this morning. Would you speak to us through your word? Would you help us to order our lives around you? Would you equip us, would you encourage us today to pursue you in everything that we do? 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, our focus passage is going to be in Psalm chapter 63 this morning. So you can get those out. If you don't have it, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen behind me here in a moment. But I want to just start off by saying today's message is going to be extremely, extremely practical. You've probably gathered that already. But my goal with this morning is to give you four challenges, four action steps. That if you take these, they have the ability not just to change your year. They have the ability to change your life. So I'm going to give you this morning four firsts, four firsts. I'd encourage you to write these things down, not just here, but, man, Post them somewhere at home. Post them in your office. Just put them in front of you so that you're reminded daily to put first things first. Y'all ready to jump in? Come on, y'all ready to jump in? (laughs) There we go. All right, so your first first is to seek God with the first of your day. Look with me at Psalm chapter 63 at verse 1. King David says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, that is not the voice of someone who is putting off connecting with their creator. See, David understood the need to connect with God with the first of his day. Some translations actually replace that word earnestly with early, but the impact, the the idea is still the same, right? Connection with God should be the first and most important desire for us. The challenge is it doesn't come naturally to us now, does it? Sure, there are times in your life where that quiet time is so fruitful and you wake up just desiring time with God. But I think more often than not, we wake up tired. More often than not, we wake up stressed out. More often than not, our schedule gets thrown because our kids are home for two weeks all of a sudden for Christmas break. And I'm not the only one that's feeling that, right? And so what happens is, family, life is always going to try and get in the way. The sands of the urgent will always try to fill up your jar which is why it's crucial that we must intentionally set aside the first of our day to seek God. And since this doesn't exactly come naturally to any of us, I thought I would help you with a couple of practical things that I do in my own life. Maybe it'll help you out as well. The first thing is just this kind of cheesy, catchy saying. You may kind of think it's corny. It's okay. It works for me. Maybe it'll work for you. It's this. Seek God from the start and seek God from your heart. Seek God from the start. Seek God from your heart. These are the words that I have to tell myself pretty much every morning when I wake up so that I know that my focus is where it needs to be. Because as you guys probably know, it's really easy to put off seeking God. It's easy to make excuses and to find those urgent things with every day. It could even be good things, right? Your kids need food on the table. You do need to go to your job, but it's not the most important thing. It is not the biggest rock in your day. And we can see this actually in the example set by Jesus himself. Right, Jesus being God in the flesh, he put first things first. He sought God with the beginning of his day. I've got a few passages our team is going to put up on the screen. I'm not going to read through them, but they just show us that time and time again, Jesus takes the first of his day to get away and to get alone with his father. Even, there's even moments where people need Jesus. Right? They are sick or hurting and in need of healing, and Jesus still prioritizes prayer. He prioritizes connection with God over everything else. And if he needs it, then how much more do we need it? Right? And now it's important not to get too legalistic here. I think that can sometimes be the response, right? Don't get too legalistic. Like if you need to take care of, of business or if you need to put a, a Keurig pot in the, in the pot, go ahead and do that. But don't do anything significant until you first sought after God. I've got a mentor who has a a saying of his own that works for him. 
It's no Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. I love it. It sets a tone for where he's going to start his day and where his true nourishment is going to come from. So seek God from the start and seek him from your heart. I think that's the other area where so many of us get tripped up, right? Because somewhere along the way, we get this idea that it must be like an hour. It must be the super powerful time. It must be, you know, reading through the Bible in an entire year. I don't know about you, but when I read Matthew 6.33, I don't see a list of qualifications that Jesus made when he said to seek after God. He didn't make a list of qualifications, and yet we go and put our own qualifications on that time. What matters is that we seek him from our heart. And I feel like I need to say that because if you're like me, you get to the start of the new year, and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing all the Bible plans. I'm setting all the goals. But what happens is we end up putting the goal before God. I can guarantee you with your goals, the enemy is going to work against you so that that feels more like a ritual than a relationship. You'll find it feeling rigid and feeling constrictive, which is why we need to have it come from the heart. Let me just say for me, the best way for me to do that practically, again, I'm just giving you some things that work for me. I can be a a creature of habit, so I can do things just ritualistically and it can start to get stale. So what I try to do each and every morning is I'll try to do something a little bit different. Rather than always go in the same order, hey, I'll switch it up. Instead of starting in prayer, I'll start off in the word. Several times a week, I'm just starting off with worship music just to get my head in the right space to wake up so that I know where my focus is beginning. Whatever it is to you, just be intentional. You know what you need. You know where your head's at, where your heart's at. Be intentional to set aside that time. And the great thing is, if you start off this way, if you start your day by seeking God, you'll find that the rest of your day follows the same way. It's like we talked about with the big rocks, right? Put the big one first, it'll order the rest of your priorities. So seek him first, and you'll find yourself seeking him often. It's pretty cool. Highly, highly recommend it. So that was your first first, to seek God with the first of your day. Your next first is to worship God with the first of your week. Worship God with the first of your week. Let's take a look at the next couple of verses in Psalm chapter 63. David says, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So what we see here is that David's pursuit of God began privately, but it didn't stay there, right? He also worshiped him publicly by joining alongside other people in the sanctuary. The private expression of worship led to public expression of worship. That's why he talks about being in the sanctuary alongside other people. And our desire, family, should be to do the same, to worship God with the first of our week. And again, that same saying works here, too. Worship God from the start. Worship God from your heart. And the reason why this must be a priority for us is because just like with seeking God with the first of our day, there's plenty of other things that can get in the way. If we don't start with that big rock of worshiping God first, then the family trips and the urgent work projects, the club sports, all those other things will get in the way. And all of a sudden, that big rock of worshiping God in community finds itself on the outside looking in. Listen, I'm not saying that perfect attendance is required. We don't take attendance here at Awake. And what I am saying is that the Lord blesses these gatherings. That there is an expectation set in scripture for us to be together in frequent fellowship. That's what we see in the early church in Acts chapter 2. People like to make a big deal about the fact that they met in homes. 
But what Luke points us to, the factor that led to the Lord moving the ways that he did, wasn't that they met in homes. It was their frequency and the sincerity of their gatherings. He says they gathered together daily in the temple courts and that they devoted themselves to the acts of worship. Daily devoted themselves. They centered their lives around the church. And we see the result in Acts 247, right? It says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These people, they centered their lives around the church. So let me ask you, family, how do we get to where we're at today then? How do we get to where we're at today? Because recent study actually showed that the average churchgoer in America attends a worship service less than one time per month. Less than one time per month. And this isn't a study of all Americans. This is a study of Americans who claim that they belong to a church. They attended a worship service less than one time per month. It wasn't that long ago where the average member of a church would be in church gatherings like three times per week. So how do we get to where we're at today? I'll tell you why. It's pretty simple. We reverse the order. We stop paying attention to the way we order our lives. And we adopted this excuse that we don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You know, I love this quote from Tony Evans. I think you guys are going to get a kick out of this. He speaks to that faulty logic. He says this, you know, I hear some people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married. Stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. Pretty good, right? I wanted to put this into awaken language. And so the way that I thought I would say it is, hey, you don't have to go to church to be the church. But in order to be the church, you need to see the church. Pretty good, right? I'm no Tony Evans, but I thought it was pretty good. (laughs) You don't have to go to church to be the church, but in order to be the church, you need to see the church. This is why our mission statement actually hinges on this phrase, fully engaged. That we call people to live fully engaged lives with Jesus, each other, and our world. And the simple truth is you can't do that by staying at home. So what does it look like for you to center your life around the church? Well, it probably looks different for each of you, but let me give you a few examples that actually come from right here. Some people that are even here today. We have some people who actually sold their homes to move closer to the church, to be in community. We have some people who have actually delayed their vacation so that they could be here on our monthly prayer gatherings. And we have some teachers in our midst who, on top of attending our Sunday morning worship services, on top of attending their own life group, have sacrificed yet another night of their week to lead our children's life groups. This is what it looks like to center your life around the church. It's not fitting in online church around your schedule and watching my sermon in your pajamas. Don't do that. (laughs) It's making these gatherings a priority. And you'll find a similar result as when you you seek God early, you'll seek him often. When you worship God in community to begin your week, you'll find yourself worshiping God in community throughout your week. That's why the author of Hebrews gives us this encouragement. Still so timely today. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So you're going to seek God with the first of your day. You're going to worship him with the first of your week. And third, you're going to give to God with the first of your month. Give to God with the first of your month. Psalm 63, this time in verse 4, says this. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. David's posture here is to bless 
God for all that he has been blessed with. His response is to take this posture of surrender, to lift open hands to the Lord. And one of the most foundational ways that we are called to do this is by blessing God with what he has already blessed us with. The biblical term many of you will hear or have already heard is this word tithing. This word tithe literally means a tenth. It stems from this command in the book of Leviticus, which states that the first tenth of what we're bringing in, whether it was a harvest then, whether it's your finances now, is to be given back to the Lord. Notice that I said the first tenth, which brings us back again to that little catchphrase. Give to God from the start. Give to God from your heart. So what does it look like to give to God from the start? Well, it looks like not waiting until all of your bills are paid, waiting until all of your monthly expenses are taken care of before you give to God. It's giving him the first tenth that comes in, putting that big rock in first and trusting that he will take care of the rest. Again, I point you back to this illustration because when you don't prioritize the giving to God, again, your giving is going to be on the outside looking in. One of the biggest commands we have is to give back to God what he's given us. Don't let that become the big rock on the outside. And I know this can be a challenging and maybe confusing topic for some. And so I wanted to share with you just one of the ways that myself and Lindsay, that we actually lean into this practice. I'm going to give you an easy way to remember it. It's just three Ps. It's pray, prepare, and prioritize. We always begin by praying, asking God what he wants us to give. Makes sense, right? Because he's the one that blessed us with it anyway. So shouldn't we at least ask him for some guidance in how he wants us to use it? Next, we need to prepare to give. This requires us to be good stewards of all that God has given us. Now, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily eating top ramen or making our kids shoes, but it means we create a budget. We plan. We prepare for it. We trust God that he's going to provide. If he's calling us to give a certain amount, you better believe he's going to provide the rest. Lastly, that third P is prioritize. Once we know what he's called us to give, once we know you know, how that fits into our budget. We need to make some necessary changes. We need to make some sacrifices. We need to put that big rock in first. And I know some of you are probably hearing this and saying, wait a minute, Pastor Ryan, so you're telling me I have to give the first 10%. I'm going to have to, like, reorder my entire life in order to make this happen. Exactly. All right, that's the point of all of this. The whole point is that we are choosing to rearrange our whole world so that God comes first. So give to God from the start and give to him from your heart. I love what the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How do we give cheerfully? Well, we plan, we prepare, we prioritize. And then we just get to sit back and watch God do the work. We get to watch as he blesses our giving. And here's the crazy thing is that tithing is not for him, right? It's for our benefit. Because when we give, we're reminded how much we need him. We're reminded of who is really in control. We're reminded that he's going to meet our needs. That's not even our responsibility. That's why I firmly believe, family, hear this, that faith is a financial strategy. Faith is a financial strategy. And it's a good one, too, because Jesus actually promises a return. Check this out. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is Jesus promising blessing for those who are generous. 
It's not him promising to fill your bank account necessarily or that you'll live a, a healthy life. It's him promising eternal blessings that far, far outweigh your momentary earthly sacrifice. So seek God with the first of your day. Worship him with the first of your week. Give to him with the first of your month. And finally, fast with the first of your year. It's the final first this morning. And I know we're getting closer to lunchtime, and I may have just triggered some of you, but I need you to stay with me here this morning. Look back at Psalm 63 one last time. This time in verse 5. David says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. What David is saying here is that there exists a deep satisfaction that comes from being completely surrendered to God. That the love of God can nourish our souls just like food nourishes our body. And what fasting is, is the opportunity that we have to experience that. To refrain from feeding our flesh for a moment so that God might feed and nourish our souls. If I were to use this illustration, fasting would be like putting the big rock into the jar first and letting that be the only thing. It's intentionally removing all of the other things that are important to us so that we can see that he is all that we need. Because here's the thing I want you to see about the choices we make, about every choice that we make. It's either driven by the flesh or it's driven by the spirit. It's either one or the other, every decision, driven by the flesh or driven by the spirit. In fact, in Galatians 5.17, Paul says that these two things are actually at odds with each other. That the desires of our flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against our flesh. So what that means is that when we have these choices, if left unchecked, we're always going to give the flesh what it desires. Fasting reminds us that we have a choice. That we don't have to give in to the flesh. That we can choose to deny the flesh in order to strengthen the spirit. And that is a discipline that will have an impact long after your fast is complete. Are you all following with me this morning? Okay, good. Because here comes the invitation. I want to invite you to join me this coming Wednesday on a 24-hour fast from food. 24-hour fast from food. See right there, a lot of you are feeling like your flesh wrestling with the spirit. And that's okay. That is normal. That's even good. But let me encourage you, family, lean in. Lean into this. Even if this is something that you've never done before, because I promise it will bless you. I know there's going to be some questions I want to answer. Just a couple here. I'll be available afterwards to answer some more. But I'm going to answer just a couple of questions as I invite the band back up this morning. First of all, why Wednesday? Well, we've been talking about the need to plan, prepare, and prioritize. And I want to give you all a little bit of time to do that. So what I'm going to do is uh, tomorrow, I'm going to post to our social media pages some helpful resources so that you can practically plan, but more so spiritually prepare your heart for that fast on Wednesday. Probably also post to the Awakened Community page. If you guys aren't a part of that private Facebook group, go ahead and ask me about it. Ask one of our staff or our, our leaders about it. We'll get you added to that group so we can encourage each other there as well. The second question you're probably asking is, Pastor Ryan, does it really have to be 24 hours? And while the simple answer is no, I want to encourage you to lean in to this. Right? Because unless you are, have medical issues that would keep you from this, or unless you're nursing a child, I can promise you this is doable. I'm not saying it's not going to be challenging, but it is doable if you plan and prepare and prioritize for it. The thing is, it's not supposed to be easy. It's going to be challenging. You're going to feel the wrestling with your flesh. You're going to feel that. 
But that's the whole idea, that you notice when your jar isn't full, but that you also notice that it doesn't have to be, as long as that big rock of pursuing God is there. And that ultimately points us to this last truth. I want you to pay attention to this. We've been talking a lot about putting God first in our lives, but here's the reality. We don't put God first. God's already first. Before anything was, God was. God has always been first. He will always be first. By doing this, all we're doing is we're acknowledging that God came first. We are ordering our lives around that truth so that it reflects what's already true. God comes first. And tell me what you're going to find when you align your life with this, when you place your orders in the right, place your priorities in the right order, is that your life will be filled with joy. It'll be filled with comfort. It'll be filled with peace. It'll be filled with confidence. It'll be filled with blessing. Doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges. Doesn't mean your circumstances are going to be fun. But God will show up in ways that you've never experienced. And so when we sit here on Sunday, December 31st, 2023, I can guarantee you're going to look back on the year and there's going to be some unexpected surprises. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some twists and some turns. But if you put the first things first, there will be a joy. There will be a peace that surpasses all understanding. Imagine just for a moment, church, what your 2023 will look like if you simply change the order of your life and put God first. Would you all pray with me? Father, we bow before you this morning. And we just want to recognize that it's you who came first. Before time even existed, you were, you are, you always will be. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who may feel the wrestling in their flesh to do the things that they want, things they feel they need, Lord. Would you just stir inside them a passion for the things you want for their life? Would you draw them back to a relationship with you this morning. Lord, we know you're going to do incredible things in 2023. I personally can't wait to see it, can't wait to walk with my brothers and sisters through that. But would you help us this morning and for the next 364 days to put you first? Would we look back on 2023 as a year of incredible blessing, as a year of growth, as a year of transformation, but as a year Lord, where you showed up. Oh, we love you, Lord. We cannot wait to see what you are going to do. We just surrender all of that to you this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.